What's up, y'all, and welcome into the Jack Vita Show. I am your host, as always, Jack Vita, uh, back to recap another week of NCAA tournament action. We have a Final Four that's set in place, and we've got a lot of content coming out right now. I've just started the MLB preview series, previewed the AL West a couple days ago with Anthony Franz. That's out there on my website. So make sure you guys are going to my site, jackvita.com, and subscribe to this show, the Jack Vita Show, wherever it is that you get your podcasts. If you're watching here on Twitter or YouTube or Facebook, uh, thank you for joining us and hit subscribe, hit that like button and uh, share the show with a friend. But we've got a friend of mine, actually, who I hadn't talked to in what feels like ages coming and returning. Well, that I shouldn't say returning, but coming on the Jack Vita Show for the first time. Um, he's someone that a lot of people might recognize the name if they don't know Valpo basketball. They should still recognize the name or if they don't know Boise State basketball because he made history a few years ago with his half-court shot uh, to beat Oregon when he transferred over to Boise State. And now he is an assistant over at Boise State. We say hello to Lexus Williams. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. It's great to have you here. And we were just catching up a little bit before, but I, I know a lot of people, we got a lot of listeners from Valpo. I'm sure they love a little update on your life. What have you been up to over the last few years? Yeah, so I basically will start from when I left Boise the first time. Um, got drafted in the G League. Things didn't work out there. Ended up going to Canada um, in the summertime around around this time, actually, around March through like June. Um, things just didn't go well for me. And then I ended up getting an accounting job, falling back on my accounting degree from Valpo. And I was doing that for about the last year and a half, two years. And I was in constant communication with Leon Rice, who was our head coach here at Boise State. And he had been just trying to lobby me to come back and continuing to tell the athletic department that, you know, I deserved a position on his staff. And they made it happen. So now I'm here and I was blessed to be a part of the best team in school history in my first year of coaching. So life is good for me right now. Now, define best team in school history for those who don't know. So best record, 27-7. Um, first time to be ranked 23rd, so that's our highest ranking in the AP poll. Um, highest ranking in the tournament with the eight seed. We have the longest winning streak in school history of 14 games in a row. And we also won the most conference games um, on the road in the Mountain West history. Uh, we also are the first team since, like, I want to say somewhere in the 80s to win the con a conference title outright, first time to do it in the Mountain West. And we're the first team in school history in the Mountain West to win um, the conference outright and also win the conference tournament. And you guys were so close to meeting one of your former coaches, Roger Powell Jr. in yes. Gonzaga in the second round. I was pulling for that. I wanted to see that. Happen. <laughs> no, that's so fun. Funny because so we were in Portland and it was it was crazy. I was walking down the street coming from like doing a little bit of shopping in our downtime and he's walking across the street from me and we see each other. We're like, yo, let's go grab a bite to eat. So we did that and you know we chopped it up and it's all good. It was a good time and we were just talking about the old days and talking about futures and you know, it was just a good time. You know, Roger Powell is somebody that I really look up to, a great mentor to me and you know, it was great to see him and especially in that atmosphere and being on the other side of things now, understanding, you know, what it takes to be a good coach and, you know, hats off to him and hats off to Gonzaga on a great season that they had. 
Yeah, and we'll talk Gonzaga a little later, but it sounds like you and uh, Coach Powell have really kept in touch quite a bit over the years, right? Yeah, so he actually, when I was leaving Valpo, he actually tried to help me get to a new spot um, when I was transferring. So he used a bit of his contacts and things like that, and I talked to some coaches. Um, Ultimately, I came to Boise State, but, you know, just always having that type of relationship and that bond, you know, when you win a bunch of games together and you go through some things, as a player and a coach, you know, that bond is kind of always there. So um, always using that to my advantage and just always making sure we stay in touch and keep that genuine relationship together. Yeah, he's a great guy. I love him. He's supposed to do this show sometime, but he's been ducking me for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> he will. He will. I'll, I'll try to get him to do it. <laughs> no, he's not ducking me. He's been busy. <laughs> he's a busy guy. You know yeah, that. Yeah, sure. Yeah, he'll probably be on here sometime this uh, now they're in the off season. So yeah, look for forward sure. to chatting with, him. with his family and stuff because I got to see his family, his wife and his kids and stuff like that. So that was good to see them as well. My favorite memory of him would be. So for those who don't know, I covered the Valpo basketball team for the student newspaper for two years. So I was around the uh, offices a lot and I have a really close relationship with Coach Lodick and Coach Gore, who was on last week. And. Coach Powell, and for those who don't know what we're talking about, he started on that 2005 Illini team that went to the national championship, one of the best teams to never win a national championship. And Coach Powell would be like, I would walk in and he'd be like, hey, Jack, he'd be like, my man. He's like, what what Christian rap should I be listening to now? That would be his, <laughs> his go-to line. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like something he would say for sure. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, what should I be listening to? Lecrae got some new stuff? <laughs> Uh, yeah he's great so Lexus I want to ask you real quick uh, because we're talking about how you transferred what led to your decision to leave Valpo and how did you end up choosing Boise so what kind of led to me leaving Valpo was just kind of I don't know it, it was just a feeling that I had you know what I mean I felt like it was something that I had to get away from just because one it was it was close to home for one and then two you know, just having that that injury, those two injuries happened to me there. Um, I kind of never really got away from being like the injured player, I feel like. And I just needed a fresh start. And for me, because I actually had a, some knee problems that year that I was playing under Coach Lottick. And for me, it was kind of just like, I just need a breath of fresh air. So I just decided that it was best for me to go ahead and go somewhere else. But you know, I still talk to Coach Lodak. I still talk to Coach Gore. Like everything is all good with all of us. Um, but it was just a, it was a good decision for me to go ahead and do that for my career and just greater pastures for me as far as like expanding my network and things like that to go on the West Coast and be playing for a guy like Leon Rice, who was a great coach and assistant under Mark Few at Gonzaga. So it was just good for me to get away. And uh, what made you decide Boise of all the places? So Boise was like out of nowhere pretty much <laughs> because I was going to go to Oakland and play with my uh, childhood friend, Kendrick Nunn, who was there at the time. Like that was like my set plan. I took a visit, everything, like everything was set in place for me to go there and play under uh, Coach Campy. But Boise called me and they told me they lost their point guard who was averaging about 30 minutes a game and they really needed one. So I kind of just looked at their film, looked at who was on the team and they had a guy like Chandler Hutchinson who got – drafted at number 22 in the draft in the first round. So I just was like, I'm a winner. You know what I mean? I want to go somewhere where it's about winning. It's not about just me as a player or things like that. Cause I, 
I'm, I pretty much thrive in situations and environments and cultures where it's a collective effort, not where it's like you depend on just one guy or one or two guys. So I came out here and took the visit and I just fell in love with it. You know, before I got to Boise, I just thought of the city of being full of like farms and you know, everybody think about potatoes and stuff like that. But it's actually really nice out here. You know, the city's surrounded by mountains and stuff like that. It's always things to do. Um, I'm not too much of an outdoorsy guy, but, you know, get out and get some sun. It feels good. So just being in that different type of environment, coming from Chicago and coming from Valpo, it was just a different feel. And I liked it. I fell in love with it. And the people out here are just easy going. The staff was easy going and everything just made sense for me. So that's what led to my decision to come to Boise. And then I believe you started every game that year, right? At Boise. Yeah. 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 Average nine and a half. I got the stats. <laughs> and then, uh, but I want to play the clip here for those who are watching this show. This is uh, Lexus's Lexus Williams is one shining moment uh, with the Boise state Broncos. Um, so I got the clip here and um, people are listening to audio feed. You guys can listen to it. Let Pritchard do his thing. Make a play at the top for a two or a three. Peyton Pritchard ties it up. 3.1 in the hands of Lexus Williams from midcourts. He hit it! And the nation's longest home winning streak could be snapped by a half-court buzzer beater. So not a great call there on the broadcast. It could be snapped. <laughs> it was snapped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was crazy. What a crazy moment. Yeah. Do you want to tell me about that real quick? Yeah, so that game was was crazy. So what kind of hyped us up was, one, we're playing Oregon at Oregon. You know, it was a great game anyway. But uh, Damian Lillard was courtside that game. So everybody got super hype about that because uh, our associate head coach, Phil Beckner, is his trainer. So and um, he actually took me, um, Chandler and Christian Seinfelder, who was another senior on our team. We actually went to a Blazers versus Bucks game the night before. So it was just like, you know, just being out there just felt really good. So we, we all felt good going into that game. We knew that we could win that game. And they were up probably like maybe about eight points with five minutes to go. And we just kind of were rolling at that point. And then they decided to make a run and we weathered that storm. And I remember being up and Peyton Pritchard hitting that layup. And I was thinking in my head, okay. So as soon as I looked up, I saw the clock at 3.1. Like I literally saw that. So I'm like, okay, I could get to half court at, at that point in time. And I was just like, Hey, if it gets to me, I'm, I'm shooting this. Like it's a tie game. I have nothing to lose. I'm, I'm, t- I'm taking the shot. Because <laughs> you can see Chandler running on the side of me like, yo, throw the ball, throw the ball. And I'm just like, nope, this is me. <laughs> I'm taking this one. I'll, I'll die with that. And it's okay. I'm not I'm not scared to miss this shot. So just getting the half court, I was like, I just got to get it up. So once I got it up, it looked good from when it left my hand. And then it hit all net. I was like, wow, that really just went in. <laughs> like it felt good coming off my hand. But then when it actually went in and the way it did, just all net like that. It was crazy. You could just hear a pin drop in the arena. It was crazy. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. I mean, it's like all those half-court shots that you just chuck up when you're 10 years old. Exactly. Coming in handy one day. (laughs) All right, Alexis. So let's talk about some games from the weekend. What's the headliner for you? Where's What's the best place to start? What caught your attention from the past four days? I would say... 
Well, you want to go from like the Sweet 16? Anything, man. Because, because once we lost, I felt like Arizona was my pick. And they, they were my pick to win it because not only are they really talented, but they play really hard. And sometimes you don't get both out of a team like that. Um, but watching their game against Houston was like, wow, those dudes really, really play hard. And just knowing um, how hard Kelvin Sampson coaches and how great of a coach he was, it just was on display during that time because, you know, those, those guys laid it all on the line for them. And um, I just feel like now Duke is probably the favorite to win it, but I had Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> Man, my bracket is just gone. I mean, none of my final four teams got out of the Sweet 16. That's that's what we're talking. I had wow. Zaga, Arizona, Wisconsin was the biggest letdown for me, and then Purdue. Why All Wisconsin? That. Why Wisconsin? You know what I liked about Wisconsin is I feel like they're always a they're always a good defensive team, a team that doesn't make a lot of mistakes. But having a guy like Johnny Davis who can now give you the 35 that you might need. I thought that was just like the final piece to a team that could make a deep run. And they just absolutely disappointed me, especially though. I said this last week to coach Gore, they lost that game in Milwaukee, which was essentially a home game. So I'm not going to be picking Wisconsin anytime against. (laughs) It's so crazy to think about that though, because we were playing in Portland and we had a lot of fans and things like that. But like, I don't I don't know how much that plays a factor in those type of games because if you run into a team that's hot and a team that's rolling, I mean it's it's hard to stop. It really is. I don't care how many fans they got in there, they can have none. If they feel like it's them against the world, they are dangerous. So you're not doing as poorly as I am with your predictions, I would think, because no one's probably doing as bad as I am. <laughs> no, I'm sure you didn't have St. Peter's. <laughs> no. My mom actually picked him over Kentucky in her bracket. Really? Yeah. Does she just like peacocks or something? Uh, she likes uh, she likes the disciple Peter. So. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. See that. See, I, there's a story. So one of my mom's friends, they do a bracket every year or whatever. And the way that this one of her friends won the bracket based on mascots. So she just picked based on if that ma- mascot could basically beat up the other one. <laughs> it was it's crazy. <laughs> Did you do that this year? Uh, no, Last not this year. year. This was a couple of years ago. Yeah. Oh, okay. What was the winning mascot? I forgot who won that year. I believe. Was that the Virginia year? No, not the Virginia. Even before that, this might have been in like Villanova. Yeah. That time, yeah. I think it was the Villanova versus North Carolina. She 2016. Yeah. Man, what a game. Oh, we could get that rematch. Yeah. I don't think so, but. No. <laughs> I'm rooting. I'm rooting though. I am rooting for North Carolina because of Jackie Manuel, though, who was on staff when I was at Valpo. So I'm rooting for them. He's on staff with those guys now, right? Yep. That's awesome. Yeah, I love him. He's great. Yeah, great, great guy, great guy. Oh man, he had he had the best stories. Like he was telling, talking about when he was in Celtics camp. Yeah. And Kevin Garnett would talk like 30 minutes at his locker every day, and all the young guys would gather around. Yeah, no, he got he does have some great stories. He's been around some high level people, so he does have some stories. Yeah, so Arizona losing that was the biggest shock to you so yeah. far in this tournament. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, I mean, I do think that though Houston ended up losing in the Elite Eight, 
I mean, Kelvin Sampson is he'd be a good pick for coach of the year this year. Oh, for sure. For sure. Cause he lost two of his best players in the middle of the year. So for them to even get as far as they did was hats off to him. Yeah. And they're, they're starting to become like Gonzaga. They ended up losing what, which we'll talk about here in a second. But Mark few said, I remember watching him to talk to a reporter right after the game. He's like, we're not used to going home this early and sure. seven straight sweet 16s. So Houston's becoming that type of team, though, that you're going to just pencil them in for the Sweet 16 every year. Yeah, and I, I believe that you can. And the one thing that they do is they play so hard. They play really hard. They rebound really well, and they defend really well. And you're always in the mix when you can do that. Yeah, so uh, I was shocked by the Gonzaga game, although I know a lot of people are probably going to mention this on Twitter or whatever. Officiating in that game, not the greatest. I did not like... Uh, how Chet fouled out on that one where he just jumped straight up. Yeah. Um, that's been a topic for a lot of people in terms of the officiating in this tournament. I don't really know what you can do, though. I mean, officiating is like, I try not to, I mean, I, I, of course, as a coach, like you try not to kind of dive into it so much, especially being in my position as an assistant. You don't want to be, you know, worried about the ref so much, but sometimes it's egregious. It's really bad. And I think that I think the next step forward may be going to six fouls for Ooh. guys. Um, I would hope so. I like that. I like that too because think about it's been times this year where we had some of our best players two fouls early instead of having to take those guys out and take them out of rhythm and have them sit on the bench for eight minutes in a media timeout. Like it's better if it just goes to six. I think that's a great idea. Honestly, I don't feel like I've heard that discussed anywhere. Yeah, I feel like it should be brought up. If I had any say so, I would bring it up. Well, thankfully <laughs> this, you're on the Jack Vita show. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> thankfully you're here on the Jack Vita show. So the listeners yeah. are hearing it. I think it's a great idea. Uh it was really unfortunate how that game played out for Gonzaga. And I I feel I felt for Coach Powell. I felt for I even though I don't know Mark Few, I felt for him. I felt for that program because that's a it's always a bride, never a bridesmaid. They've been close so many times. And I want to yeah. see them finally win one. And I pick them every single year. And I know that the year I don't pick them, they're going to win. But maybe that's what Coach Powell needs me to do next year, not pick them. Yeah, exactly. They need some people to go <laughs> against them next year. Maybe that's what it is. Put a chip on their shoulder a little bit. <laughs> yeah. You never know. You never know what it is. But guys like that, like Hollow, they don't they don't need too much motivation. They motivate themselves really. Yeah. They just they just ran into a team that, that was super tough, played super hard. That's just what it was. I feel like I said this earlier too, like the Gonzaga tree of coaches and Tommy Lloyd, Leon Rice, Mark, we all kind of ran into the same type of teams. Those super athletic teams want to run, want to press and do stuff like that and just play really, really hard and can make up for mistakes with their athleticism. Pretty much just ran into the same type of things. Yeah, and also on the other side of that, like we're I like how we were just talking about Kelvin Sampson and what Houston's doing in terms of consistency in the tournament. Now we're starting to see that final four last year, elite eight this year. Um, and always, I mean, like there was a one year 2018 where they should have beaten Michigan. Mm-hmm. They win that game. Maybe they're making that same run that Michigan makes. So they're always there. And then there's another factor, of course, of just the breaks of the game. In that case, they didn't catch the break of the game. I think that, even though it's early, 
Uh, Eric Musselman is starting to establish that with Arkansas now. He's been there for three years, and his first year, they didn't have a tournament because of COVID, and they won 20 games. And then these last two years, Elite Eight's back-to-back. He's really bringing back Arkansas basketball, which was – I think a lot of people don't – maybe they're too, they're young like we are and they didn't know or, or they're younger than us that Arkansas is one, has been one of the premier programs in college basketball. Yeah, for sure. And I, uh, I actually got to play against Eric Musselman when he was at Nevada against his team. And the one thing that he gets them to do is play hard. Like they listen to him. You know what I mean? So when you have a coach that you believe in, it's so much easier to go out there and just just go balls to the wall pretty much um, and try to execute the plan as best as you can. And that's what the good teams do. That's what the good players do. And that's what good cultures create. And I think that's something that he's been doing at every stop that he's had. And having his NBA experience as well is also another feather in his cap because, you know, when you have that type of respect and you've been – to certain places and certain levels, people just look at you like that. So I know there's players like, hey, I want to get to the NBA, so I'm going to listen to him and I want to win, and we're going to do the best that we can here while we're while we're in it. And that's what you see happening at Arkansas. Do you think that makes a difference for a guy who coached in the NBA and now is coaching in college? Do you think that grabs the attention of guys in a way that coaches who did not coach in the NBA did? Um. Maybe to a certain degree, I think that any player that wants to be good will listen to their coach. Um, but I think that there is also another certain like aspect and perspective that a coach has if they were in the NBA before. So, you know, you know how everybody say you have to do this and do that in order to get to where you want to go, but never been there. I feel like the coaches that come from the NBA or just have NBA um, contacts and things like that, that they can talk to and uh, regurgitate to their players also have a leg up. So I don't, I don't necessarily think that just because you coach in the NBA that you're a better coach than somebody that has it. Oh, totally. But I think that when you are good and you do have that background that some guys may take heed to it more than others. Yeah. I mean like coach K never coached in the NBA. He passed on all kinds of opportunities and, I mean, we're celebrating him for a reason, but Lexus, I want to know best game of the weekend. What was your favorite game that you watched over the weekend? Kansas, Miami to me, just because I was rooting for Charlie Moore, who's from Chicago. So I watched that game, you know, it, was, it wasn't a good game, but <laughs> I wanted to, I really wanted to root for him and see him win and go to the final four. Now it was a good game in the first half. Miami yeah. up at half. I think a lot of people are probably not going to remember that when they think back on this game. <laughs> Kansas outscored them something like 47 to 12 in the second half. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. They, I mean, they just took off and Kansas is really good and they really took off. This is like a, an interesting Kansas team because I, I know some people have talked about it. It's a good team. It's a very good team, obviously, but they've maybe had some more talented rosters in the past that haven't gone as deep in the tournament. What, what do you think the key to their success this season has been? the lottery pick that they have. <laughs> he is, he is, he is really good. And he had like, he plays hard too. So when your best player is your hardest playing player, it's easy for everybody else to fall in line and play hard as well. Um, I actually have Villanova beating them 
um, just because I think Villanova's guard play is better. Um, and I think at this point in time, the guard play is what you need most and their best player is on the wing. And he's not like orchestrating the offense or anything like that. So I think that Villanova might get them in that aspect just based on that. But yeah. I like Kansas a lot. Kansas is really good. I don't know if I even want to make I no one should listen to my picks anymore after this tournament. <laughs> I'm done making picks in this tournament. I will not gonna even try. But I do I am excited for both these games. I think that I mean, I was just gonna say I feel horrible for Justin Moore. Uh the Achilles is like the worst, that's the worst injury out of all of them, would you say? It's yeah. The worst one. Yeah, probably. Yeah. It's a terrible injury nonetheless. And I think they're all terrible. Let me well, say that. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't say that. It's a rough one. Um, but in the final minute of that game, yeah. Um, and we saw how crushing that was for him, knowing that obviously it's gonna be a long recovery, but he wants to be out there with his guys. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, speedy recovery to him. I hope he gets well. Yeah, me too. Okay, my game, I think it wasn't maybe not the greatest played game, but I think my favorite game, my favorite moment was the St. Peter's Peacocks uh, taking down Purdue. Because I, and this is like another one where if you want to talk about a team that has been there a lot, they've had a lot of opportunities to make a deep run, and they've only had one Final Four uh, run to show for it. Maybe Purdue has. Some one could argue that they have underachieved in the tournament in recent years. I think they should have won that game against St. Peter's, but obviously you got to give a lot of credit to the run that Shaheen Holloway and his squad made and how the fact that, I mean, you and I went to Valpo. We know what it's like. Valpo's on the map because of Bryce Drew, 1998. And if I ever say to anyone who's not from the Midwest, like, where'd you go to school? I say Valparaiso. And they're either going to say, oh, where's that? That's that's the maybe 50 percent of the time they say that. But another 50 percent. Oh, yeah. Bryce Drew Valpo. Yeah. Yeah. And still yeah. tournament. And that's what this St. Peter's now. Most of us probably wouldn't have been able to tell you what state it's in, where it's located. But they've etched their names in NCAA tournament lore forever. And I love seeing that. I love seeing mid-majors make significant runs. Yeah, no, it's a great story. I love it. And they actually played really well. It wasn't like, oh, they just chucked up a bunch of shots. and <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you really watch the game. Like, they made it hectic for teams to run their offense. And then they played with pace uh, on their offensive end. They ran everything with pace. Uh, and they just made shots when they were supposed to. Because when you think about it, um, I was watching that Purdue game, and they're picking up full. They're forcing every catch out. Like, they just – they weren't comfortable. And you have to tip your hat to them because they just came with a better game plan. You know what I mean? So And, and they executed it better. So you just have to tip your hats to them. They, I thought – well, let me ask you this. I'll ask you. They game plan better than everybody prior to the North Carolina game in terms of the games they played. Do you think they were? Uh, do you think Shaheen Holloway outcoached his opponents prior to yesterday's game? Um, in a sense, I mean, yeah. Um, when you know that a team is comfortable in their sets and they're comfortable doing certain things and running certain actions for certain guys, and you can take that away, that's coaching. 
And if a, another coach that you're going against can adjust to that, then yeah, you you pretty much outcoach them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it looked like Hubert uh, Hubert Davis had a fi- or sorry Hubert Davis or Hubert Williams. I, I don't know Hubert Davis. Hubert Davis. Davis. I don't yeah. know where I got Hubert Williams. Yeah. <laughs> Mixed him up with someone else. Uh, Coach Davis had um he had him figured out. I mean, yeah. what they did defensively yesterday. I know, I think what a lot of people, probably the casual fan might think, oh yeah, well, St. Peter's, they're eventually the clock's going to run out for them. And there may be some truth to that, but you cannot, you got to give credit where credit's due. And what they did defensively was really, they they did a number on them defensively and they struggled and uh, St. Peter's wasn't able to adjust. We didn't really see them get into any kind of groove offensively where they could keep up. Right. And that's a credit to Hubert Davis and his staff because, and also think about this too, though, when they've played a couple of games in the tournament, now you, now you have more recent film of them to kind of game plan for and see what they changed up and see what they're doing now. Cause you can go back to what they did in the regular season and also in their conference tournament, but now you have two or three games in the tournament to see, okay, what have they changed? What are they doing now? I feel like at the beginning, um, it is a lot harder because, you know, it's March, um, it's live or die, you know, you got to survive. So you teams might come out and do something totally different. Now, there are a lot of other teams that aren't trying to spin the wheel and say, hey, this is what we do and this is what we're sticking to. And, you know, they can get away with that. But there are also some teams and coaches where it's like, OK, look, we've saved this for March. Let's use it now type of thing. So I just feel like. Um, with North Carolina being able to play them after a couple games, they were able to game plan well and ultimately beat them like that. Cause that was, I mean, they just whooped them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The games for the weekend, the Saturday, Sunday games, aside from Houston Villanova, I mean, you were excited about the Kansas game. You enjoyed that. That was your favorite. But in terms of like, they weren't very close aside from the Houston Villanova game. Yeah. But I guess that happens sometimes when you get Cinderella teams in there. Yeah, and then when you have, you know, somebody that you know or invested in, you kind of just follow that game. And for me, with Charlie Moore, it's like, okay, Chicago kid, he actually went to Kansas, ended up transferring and doing well at Miami. I wanted to see him win. And then also, even in that Purdue game, I don't know, I don't even know if people know this, but um, Brandon Newman that's on Purdue is from Valpo. Oh, so no, I didn't know that. Yeah. So he used to come up to the gym and work out and everything like he was around us a lot. So I was also rooting for him, too. I wanted to see him do well. So you weren't rooting for the Peacocks then? No, no <laughs> I wanted to see Brandon win. I wanted to see him win. So, yeah, I feel like a lot of people we know had a had a rough weekend. Over yeah, the last few no, days. yeah, I know. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> And by the way, I think what happened, I was Hubert Davis. I thought about it. I basically just combined him with Coach Roy Williams, and he became uh, Hubert Williams in my head. For well, he looked like he looked like Roy Williams the way he coached. Yeah, like, that's uh, true. Yeah, got to pick up some pieces from the mentor. <laughs> I mean that <laughs> that game against Baylor, man. That game last weekend. That was another fascinating game too. Yeah, and Caleb Love is—he was just off the charts. I mean, that—that's that, a kid that was really, really good and highly touted coming out of high school, 
And to finally see him, you know, kind of figure it out at this time, you know, hats off to him. Um, okay, let's see. What else from the weekend stood out to you that you want to mention? Mm, I mean, it's all up to you. <laughs> I I don't have much to add on any of the other games, really. Yeah, me either. Okay, let's let's preview the final four. So we've got the matchup that the media is going to hype to no end all week long, North Carolina Duke. And there's going to be a like a hipstery response of like, oh, I don't want to see that matchup again. Mm-hmm. But I, I have to think you're pretty excited for this one, right, Lexus? Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. So this is what I'll say. I'm rooting for North Carolina because of uh, Coach Jackie. Yeah. But I think Duke is going to win. And I think they're going to win because of what happened last time. Like, Coach K's last game in Cameron Indoor, like, this team, they will forever be known as the team that lost Coach K's last game in Cameron Indoor. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they're coming in with a super chip on their shoulder, like <laughs> bigger than they probably ever had while they've been playing basketball. Because you got to think about these guys being five stars, you know, getting things handed to them the whole time and just being great players and not really having to go out and say, okay, I need to be motivated because I lost. You know, that at that scale, you know, that's probably one of the biggest losses that they've all had. So I know, I just know that they are wired to go out there and be like, this is not happening again. There's no way. This is the final four, Coach K's last run. We are not going to be the team that says we didn't get it done for him. So that's why I think that they're going to end up winning. I don't think it even comes down to X's and O's and like things like that. It's just going to come down to who's tougher, who's grittier, and who wants it more, especially at this point in time in the Final Four. There's so much, it's just so much that you can do. Like, the things that I was telling our guys, I might have said it for the first time in the middle of the year around like December or January. I was like, guys, look, there are some games where we don't have better plays. Like we can't just spin the wheel and come up with a better set for y'all to be successful. We need you guys to be better players. Just be better players. You know, get in the gym, work out, shoot, uh, treatment, weightlifting, things like that. Like we need you to be a better player. And I think that's what it's going to come down to with the Duke North versus North Carolina game is they are just going to go out there and just be the best version of themselves and try to get it done. I think it's actually really interesting that you brought up that uh, final game at Cameron Indoor for Coach K and how something I thought about as you were sharing that thought is that I feel like it's a game. That game was something that both coaches were able to use because not only did could Duke say, this is not the way you want to go out. This is not what you want to be remembered for. But Hubert Davis could say, guys, we just smoked them and no one's giving us any credit. The whole story is about Duke. We're an eight seed. No one believes in us. And they just, they closed out the year very well. They were hot at the end of the year. They're still a hot team. Now, I do think that that super chip that you mentioned is probably going to play a significant factor in this game. And also, do you think, I, I'll ask you, do you think that this being Coach K's final stand, does that add more for these players, do you think, or do you think it's not really that big a thing? I think that it adds a lot. I think that is probably one of the biggest factors in 
having that chip on their shoulder. You got to think about the uh, what was it the post game interview when uh, Paolo came across Coach Case and said, "This is the goat. Like this is the goat." <laughs> Yeah, like you don't want to let the goal go out without a win. <laughs> you want the goal to go out on top. So I think that adds a big piece to why they're so motivated for this game, especially this game. Like, think about it. North Carolina versus Duke for the first time ever in the Final Four. Like, this, <laughs> that's crazy. So we would both agree, bad take if you're hating on Duke-North Carolina as a Final Four matchup. Yeah, bad take. Very bad. Bad take. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think, like, I, I can understand the idea of, like, not being into the idea. Like, I think what it is, is it's overreactionary because we all know that this is going to be a very hyped matchup. And I think from, like, a national media standpoint, the national media seems to care more when it's North Carolina Duke or when it's Yankees Red Sox. And I think the people who really love the sport their reaction is like, hey, you should still love this, even if it's St. Peter's. And uh, I can't even remember who Duke killed. It was Arkansas. You should still love this because it's the Final Four. But you shouldn't. I can understand that perspective. Like, I get that. But don't go the full other way and say, oh, I can't watch this. This is terrible. I mean, this is this is great for the sport. And this is going to be one of the most watched games that we've had over the last decade. Yeah, because I was about to say, like, just think about the ratings of everything when teams that have been good for a long time are good. It's just better for the sport in general. Like, if North Carolina's good and Duke is like, that's better for basketball as a whole. Just like in the NBA, if the Lakers are good and the Celtics are good or whoever, whatever rival you want to think of or players, like when their team is good, it's always better for the sport as a whole. Now, Lexus, if we were in the preseason – and I told you, unfortunately, Boise State's not going to make the Final Four this year. But I want you to draft the top four programs for the Final Four this year, just in terms of the the, the programs that have had the most success over the last 20 years. Which four would you choose? Is it all four of these? Or is there another team that you would have maybe swapped in? In the last 20 years? Last 20 years, yeah. Because you wouldn't say Villanova yeah. all the time. I wouldn't say Villanova. That'd probably be the only odd man out. But like Kansas, Villa, uh, not Villanova, Kansas, Duke, North Carolina, and Kentucky or Gonzaga. For the last twenty, would probably be more so Kentucky. I'm trying to think about Kentucky before Calipari, though, because when did he get to Kentucky? That wasn't until like what 2010. Yeah, he came in 09. They were good in the 90s with Rick Pitino. Well, they are. They also they were also good with like Jody Meeks and when Rajon Rondo was there. I remember a guy yeah. Randolph Morris was there at the center. That was that the was start good. of the Calipari era, I think. Oh no, maybe that was the end. That was uh, was that Billy Gillespie? I think it was. Billy Tubby Gillespie Smith. was there with Randolph Morris and Jody Meeks and those guys. I remember that. Yeah, Tommy um, Smith. I think, I think Billy Gillespie might have coached Patrick Peterson his first year too. If I'm he's, not he's actually coaching at Tarleton State right now. If you really, know that. yeah, I did not know that. Yeah, and the whack. Wow. Yeah, but he's making a comeback. The last in the last twenty, I guess. Yeah, you could say Kentucky. Yeah, I would say Kentucky. So Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, and Kentucky. Yeah, maybe UConn would be another one. Maybe that's yeah, that's a dark horse right there. I like that pick though. Yeah, but I'll like, probably say Kentucky. 
I guess if you were trying to come up with like what are the biggest premier programs, there'd be a couple other ones that you'd come in. Like if you're making this list, like Indiana would be another one, just because you think about Indiana basketball or UCLA would be another one. But I think if you're talking more about recency, these yeah. are four of maybe the top six or seven. This is yeah, pretty sure. dang good. I think that would be everybody's four. I don't think anybody would disagree with that four. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think. UCLA has had a pretty good 20 years. Like, it's like it hasn't been as consistent. So, like, they had the three straight Final Four runs, and then they did nothing for about 10 years, and then they had last year. That's what counts them out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I I like that four. That's a good four. Yeah, so in terms of prestige, I mean, what more could you ask for? This is going to be fantastic. So you're saying Duke, and you like Villanova in the other game. Why is that? Guard play. I think their guard play is going to get them through that game because you you need it so much. And I, I'm not just saying that because I was a point guard, but when you have a coach on the floor in Gillespie at the point guard like Villanova has, they can orchestrate everything. And when things kind of go haywire, you can have somebody out there to calm everybody down and be a calming factor. And the final four, I feel like that's something that you need. And it shows up. It, I feel like it shows up every year. I, I can't remember a time where it was just so dominant of a big man to like win the national championship. The last time I can think of like off the top of my head would probably be. Um, the last Jaleel time a big man, like won a championship for a team. Yeah. Like I can think of like Jaleel Okafor, but he also had Tyus Jones and justice Winslow out there with him. Grayson Allen. Yeah. When they beat uh, I would think Anthony Davis. Would be the one that'd be the first one. I'd that, yeah, that would be the one too. Yeah, AD for sure. But since that's like, then. yeah, since then, like it's, it's it's been mainly guard play that gets it done. Let's think. Okay, so they won 2012, 2013 was uh, Louisville, and that was just kind of that was hey, like a collective. Yeah. <laughs> great guard, great guard play. Yep. They had they had some guards over there for sure. I don't even remember who their big man was. Was it um uh, Montrez Harrell? Was that their big? Maybe. I don't remember. I don't either. 2013 Louisville. Are you looking it up or are you just thinking? I should. I was thinking. <laughs> it might have been, been Trez, though. Could be. Let's see. 2013. Okay, while you think about that, 2014 UConn which was a guard. That was Shabazz just went off. Yep. 2015, the Duke team that you mentioned. 2016, Villanova. 2017, North Carolina. 2018, Villanova again. 2019, Virginia. So I think Anthony Davis was like the last star big to win a championship. That's crazy when you really think about it. But yeah, I would say when you have really, really good guard play and you can hang your hat on that, you can get it done. You find it? 2013 Louisville? Yeah, I'm looking at it now. Let's see. <laughs> yeah, Montrez Hero. Peyton Siva. Yeah, Peyton Siva. Uh, yeah, Montrez Hero, Montrez Hero was there big. Oh. That's crazy. Yeah, I forgot about that. That's how I mean that was almost a decade ago and it it's just gone by way too quickly. 
Yeah, I know. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> is this your, t- Lexus, is this your 10 year out of, out of um, no, you, you're, I think you're, you're younger. This is my 10 years out of high school this year. It's just 2023 will be my 10. So next year. Yeah. That's just like, wow. 10 years of my life. Yeah. (laughs) What happened in those 10? You don't remember. It's a blur. I've done nothing. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, Lexus, you and Jason Karras are rounding up a roster for the basketball tournament. You tell, first of all, can you tell us a little bit for those who don't know what the basketball tournament is? Yeah, so the basketball tournament is a tournament for professionals that happens in um, every summer. And there's teams from all around the country, players from all around the country that come out and play. You have guys that have played in the G League. You got guys that played in the NBA, like Joe Johnson played last year. Um, you have some really, really good high-level, super high-level overseas guys that play in the Euro League and play in their top leagues domestically overseas um, that come out and play. And we are trying to gather a team for Valpo. Um, with Valpo alone, and Jason Karras is the sole reason. Like, I'm I'm telling you, he is the reason because he came to me. He came to Kendall O'Banner, who was a manager at Valpo, and Daryl Jackson, who was a GA at Valpo, um, came to us and said, hey, I want to get a team together. Um, I know a guy that knows a guy. How <laughs> 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 to put this together. And for me, my part in it is – I'm basically, I'm kind of like the glue to all the players. So if there was one guy in our program in the last 10 10 years, I guess I would say, that could call any guy that has played at Valpo, it would probably be me. So just trying to use that and um, because I I pretty much stay in contact with almost everybody, especially my own teammates, but guys like Ryan Brokoff and things like that that are still playing. I can actually reach out to them and try to put something together. So there will be a lot of recent guys um, from our last team, especially from when I played. Yeah, what's the roster looking like? Who we so, got? So, so I don't want to give away everything. Okay. But I, I want to build a little bit of hype around it. Can I ask about one player? Go can ahead. You, can you give me one player? Go ahead. Keith Carter. Is he playing? He's playing. Oh, let's go. I'm in. <laughs> Yep. That's the, that's the guy I give you right there. He's All right. That's so, what I, I thought Keith was really underrated as a player in yeah, the Horizon true. League back at the time. Totally got screwed. Should have been able to play in that on the 2017 team. Yeah. And I really, oh my gosh, if, if we had him and if Alec had stayed healthy in 2017, we would have, we would have made a run. We would have. Yeah. Yeah. Think about it. We won, we shared the league that year we were 24 and nine to end the season and we never felt complete. Like we never felt whole besides the beginning of the year when we beat Alabama and Vegas and um, did like the non-con stuff. Like we felt pretty good around that time, but we lost Jabril early um, right after the Kentucky game, I believe, or right after, yeah, right after the Kentucky game because he didn't even play against Missouri state. So yeah. We never felt whole that year, and if we would have had Keith, oh my goodness, <laughs> man! That and that is a weird thing to kind of think about the what if. If if we had Keith, if Jabril hadn't gotten suspended, and oh my, and Alec didn't end up getting injured, like 
That's a that's a second weekend team in the tournament, if I've ever I seen. I believe it. so because Shane had a really good year. Tavon had a really good year. We were, I mean, yeah, that <laughs> that could that team could have been good. We beat Rhode Island when they were ranked at like twenty one at home. I think that team could have been really good. But Lexus, how surprised were you when you found out that Bryce was leaving Valpo back in twenty sixteen? Not surprised. Not surprised? No. And I actually, because as a coach, you know, and as a competitor, you want to compete against the highest level. So for him to go up a level like that, I, I really felt happy for him. I thought he was going to do really well. Um, and I think he'll get back to that as well. Um, I'm rooting for him all the time. Even in, we were in Vegas to, at the same time. We didn't get to talk or anything like that. But um, I was rooting for GCU in that conference tournament. Um, yeah. while, while they were in Vegas. I'm always rooting for Bryce. And, yeah, no, he's a great guy, great coach. Like, he's really, really smart. Like, I learned a lot of things from Bryce. So, yeah, I'm always rooting for him and wishing him well. And it's so funny, too, because uh, even till now, he, he hits me up on every birthday. Like, every birthday <laughs> I have, he texts me, like, happy birthday. Even if we haven't talked that whole time, he, like, he'll text me on my birthday. So, <laughs> Shout out to Bryce. I love Bryce. So I hadn't had any contact with him since he left Valpo. And then I was visiting Phoenix two months ago. And I said to Coach Gore, I'm like, hey, is there any way you could get me in touch with Bryce? It'd be fun to visit. And he's like, yeah, for sure, man. So he got me in touch with their director of basketball ops, Ryan Lightfoot. And Ryan set up. He said, hey, come on. Come on by our practice. Um, So I have this. TCU white polo and I don't have any GCU stuff but you know how similar the TCU and the GCU yeah Yeah, so I thought it'd be funny I'll wear the TCU polo and then Bryce comes up and he's like TCU what's up with that and I also forgot that Scott coaches at Baylor and there's like a rivalry yeah Yeah, so um, he's like he's like what's up with TCU did you go there or something like what's up with that I'm like Oh, um, and of course the that's in Bryce's you know super polite, calm demeanor. It's exactly, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like so, he I'm like, oh no, I I just my sister went there. I don't have any GCU stuff, so I, this is the best I could do. And he's like, we'll get you a GCU shirt. What's your size? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then two minutes later, one of the assistants comes back with two GCU t-shirts <laughs> for me. Oh, uh, good for you. You got it out of it. That was good. That was good play on your part. Like, let me go up here and wear something else and see what he says. <laughs> so what, yeah, if I went to, if I came to Boise State and I tried to pull that maneuver, I mean, you would be able to sniff it out now because you know my move. But yeah, uh, what would be the the closest to Boise State in terms of color scheme? I guess Florida, the orange and blue. Yeah, that would work. Yeah, and I'm yeah. Like, What's up with that Gator stuff? Like, what do you got on? <laughs> Let's get you some Bronco gear. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so I asked you about Bryce. I got to ask you about Alec, too. So I had Alec on here last summer, and I asked him how close he was to transferring. Did you think at any point that he was leaving? Um, yeah, I thought it was a possibility. Um, but Alec is so tight-knit with his family that I thought that that would keep him at Valpo because they were already driving about three hours to every home game from uh, Washington, Illinois. So for him to go further away, or is that, is, was that have been further for him? I don't know. 
Well, he said, I, mean, I asked who reached out. He said, you know, Michigan State, Kentucky, Duke. Like, well, I thought he was just going to go to Vanderbilt. Vandy, yeah. He didn't mention Vandy. I'll, Van- I'll ask him about Vandy next time. We all thought he was just going to go to Vanderbilt. I yeah. know there were some other schools in play, but I didn't think that he would ever go there. I thought it was either always going to be between Stan and Valpo or going to Vanderbilt. That's, yeah. what, that's what we all thought. And we never draft- really dove into that conversation at the time just because he was so focused on the draft process and things like that. So we never, like, pushed, pushed any buttons or things like that, just like, you know, where home is. So you always welcome here. Like, whatever you decide to do, we're happy for you. That was pretty much the extent of our conversation. Yeah, Alex a tough guy to kind of ask that stuff to directly. Like, he keeps everything close to the vest. He has yeah. a tight circle, like a small circle around him. Yeah. That's just the way he is. But – I told him this. So there was a time that I sat on the train, him and Nick and Schoon were going to Wrigley and I was going home for the weekend. And I sat next to, I sat with them on the train ride and they were talking. He just kept talking all about what Valpo was going to be like next year with coach Lodic. And one of the things that he, they were talking about was like, yeah, you know, Bryce used to have this thing where you get fined. If you say a swear word, you have to do push-ups if you <laughs> say a swear word. He's like, and, and uh, Alex says, I bet, I bet Lodic reverses that next year. I bet that's not a thing next year. And I said, I'm like, wait, Alec, I thought you were going to the NBA. And then he's like, oh, 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's funny that that was that <laughs> for that to be like the point of conversation is hilarious because that lets <laughs> you know how much like when you when you are like competing and things like it's, I mean, it's hard for guys to not like just say whatever comes to their mind. And we had to be cognizant of that. And it wasn't a bad thing. Like, we're not saying it was bad or anything like that. It was actually a good thing. But to oh, just no, it was great. Loose a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> funny. yeah. No, I love Alec. Hopefully we'll get him back on here sometime. Lexus, it's been a great treat having you on here. So how can we get behind you with the Valpo basketball team in the tournament, what's the name? What are you guys going to call yourselves? Valpo alumni? The crew. The crew. Yeah, the crew. So was there a point where people were voting on what teams are going into the tournament? Yeah, so they've already went through like the first round of who's in. Um, so we're just waiting on that second round of teams to see if we're called or not. And I, and I think we have a pretty good chance. So just uh, you can follow them on Twitter at the crew. Um, and yeah, just just give us a little bit of following. Let us know um, that you guys are excited to see everybody play, especially some guys that you haven't seen in a while. Um, and it'll, it'll be great. Yeah. So I think that what we'll do is if we get decided that we are in, we will have like a training camp in Valpo and have like open practices and things like that, like meet and greets for people to come out and and see some guys that they haven't seen and be able to talk with them and have them address the crowd and things like that. And uh, I don't know where they'll place us as far as where we can play, but I think we'll try to put together like a travel package for people that want to come and watch the game in person and things like that, especially if it's close. That would be sweet. I know that I was down in Peoria back in 17, the year that we graduated Okay. And the Milwaukee team was staying at the same hotel as me. And I met Cody Wickman in the elevator. And I, I really wanted to ask him how his uh, free throws were work, how, working out for him. If he had worked on his free throws. 
<laughs> Did he? I didn't say that. That was the game. There's a game where he missed the free throws and they went to overtime and lost. Oh, wow. You should ask him. Why not? He, are, he didn't seem like he was in a great mood. So, <laughs> okay. Yeah. You got, you can't poke the bear. Can't poke the bear in that situation. But oh. yeah, the Twitter, the Twitter handle was uh, at T H E capital C R U Valpo. So it's at the crew Valpo. That's the TBT team's um, Instagram, I mean, Twitter. So everybody could just go and follow that and we get a great following and can make some things happen. And this can be a reoccurring thing. It doesn't have to just be a one off. You guys didn't want to be the beacons. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I'm not knocking that name. But you don't uh, love it. Doesn't sound like you're excited about. It. I don't. I don't like beacons. I'll be honest. I don't. It could have been a better. It, it could have been a it's better. It's not. It's not the worst. It's not terrible. I think they have good intentions behind it. But yeah, that's what I mean. Like so, like the intention behind it, and then like the background of the Crusaders. Yeah, perfect. Great. But to pick beacons, I mean, I just want to. I just wish I was a fly on the wall in that room that decided on beacons and what else there was out there. I, I we came up with a bunch of names. We did that like last summer. We did a podcast episode where we just pitched a bunch of names and beacons really? was. Yeah, it was right before they came out with a list. And I was it, we get to beacons. We didn't. We didn't have beacons. <laughs> <laughs> I went on the Valpo message board. And I'm like, guys, give us every name that you guys like, and we'll mention them, and then we'll come up. We came up with like a top eight, and Beacons was not on the list. What was and one? One. Oh, so we had a bunch of different directions. Uh, Parker Gatewood was really big on koalas. Him and Paul Oren really like koalas. Of course, they said that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I had like some silly names. Like my names were kind of more just silly. Like I thought poppers because you could do something with popcorn, Orville Redenbacher, okay. like Wichita State Shockers, Valpo yeah. Poppers. Um, you play big things popping when we're warming up. Um, I, like that. I like that. Dune Bugs was one. Then we have like a bug mascot, Indiana Dunes. Yeah. Dune Hawks was one that got talked about a lot. Lakers. Lakers, Lakers, nah, no, um, I can't remember them all. I'll send them to you when we get done. Okay, uh, we had some, we yeah, we had we had a good amount, but I think we honestly when that final list came out, so then so then I sent that episode to the committee. Every member of the committee, I emailed it to, and like at least half of them said they were going to listen. Um, so. I don't know. I I don't think we had any real <laughs> influence in it. It was kind of last second, by yeah. the way, because then like a few days later, they came up with their top eight. But that top okay. eight were not a lot of names that anyone was extremely pitching. No one was pitching those names and no one was really excited about those names. I thought when I saw those names, gold was one of the options. I was like, let's just be Valpo gold. Let's just and then we can make our mascot anything. Yeah. That wouldn't have been a bad idea, but it's all about marketing. Like, what can you market? Yeah, but I don't know. I don't know how you market the beacons. I, I just don't. Shining a <laughs> light on something. I don't know. Yeah. So, uh, think of. so is there going to be a second beacon of hope? Beacons of hope. Yeah. No, I love the definition of what they're going for with beacon. Yeah. Like it's. It's got there's a good thought process behind it. There's a good heart behind it, the good intentions. And 
maybe maybe I'll warm up to it over the years and over time, but it just doesn't really stick to me as a team name. That's what yeah. I would say. That's all it is because the whole reason of changing it from what it was was great, like perfect, like let's get with the times. You know what I mean? Let's look like let's move forward and, and find that. But just trying to get used to beacons is, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So is there going to be a second round of voting? If you guys get into the second round, do we have to vote for you guys? I think they announced who's in. Okay. During this time, because they've announced a few teams already. So they're announcing now. I think the voting is pretty much done. All right. Well, everyone go and follow at the crew. Is that the Twitter handle? Yeah. So it's at T-H-E-C-R-U in all capital letters and then Valpo. So at the crew Valpo on Twitter. I like it. Let's go. All right. Well, Lexus, this was great having you on. We'll have to have you back sometime. Uh, is there anything else that you'd like to add or plug or promote? You want to tell anyone, any recruits that are listening, why they should come to Boise State? <laughs> no, I don't have a recruiting pitch right now. <laughs> That's funny that you said that, though. But no, I'm all good on my end. This is a great conversation. I appreciate you having me on. It's a good time. Yeah, absolutely. It was a great time. Uh, you want to throw out your so your Twitter handle for people yeah, to follow so you? My Twitter handle is SmoothLex. So it's S-M-O-O-V-E. L-E-X. And you can find me on that on Twitter and also on Instagram. And you could just give me a follow on there and see what's, see what's cracking in my life. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, make sure you guys follow him. Thank you so much, Lexus. This was awesome. Hey, thank you. I appreciate it. All right. That concludes my conversation today with Lexus Williams. Make sure you guys check back for more content next week. We'll talk about the national championship game. A lot of MLB preview stuff coming out over the next week. Uh, So make sure you guys are all subscribed to the Jack Vita show. Log on to my website, jackvita.com. And you can also follow along on social media at Jack Vita show. Until next time, I'm Jack Vita. Bring in the dancing lobsters.